0: Session with Dr. Fadid Good evening. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Farid Hulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310 441 0555 you can follow me on twitter or instagram or like my page on facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program and the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my soundcloud page and podcast on spotify and apple podcasts let's get to the books of the week the book for this week that i'll talk about on next monday's show is nobody's normal by roy richard grinker Nobody's Normal, How Culture Created the Stigma of Mental Illness. And so uh, talk about judging a book by its cover, uh, that title and subtitle, Nobody's Normal, How Culture Created the Stigma of Mental Illness, definitely piqued my interest. And I'm very curious to read this book to see what Roy Richard Grinker, who is a professor of anthropology, has to talk about of how culture has created the stigma of mental illness so i've had this book for a couple of weeks and really wanted to uh read it soon so i'm glad i'll be reading it and sharing it with you on next monday's show the book of the week from last week that i'll talk about tonight is the genetic lottery by katherine page harden the genetic lottery why dna matters for social equality and this was um There's a lot of science in this book about DNA and genetic studies. Not so much about DNA specifically, but especially about genetic studies and understanding what they are and aren't and some of the new um, avenues, at least they were new to me, that I was learning about of different types of research that's been done. And this book can be considered in some ways controversial in the sense that anytime we start talking about genetic differences between people... it it can start to either raise some eyebrows or raise some blood pressure or raise some anxiety because it can become a very contentious topic. And also because there's a horrible history and still present, but very much a horrible history when it comes to using genes to differentiate people, not just come to a conclusion of difference but to come to a conclusion of superior and inferior and so that's why it is so dangerous or can feel like such a hot button issue and I might share throughout or maybe in another segment about my own feelings or recognition of anxieties I can have when looking at studies that are um, trying to understand the differences between individuals genetically especially when it comes to certain factors and how that makes me feel about it because i of course want to be objective and we all strive to be objective but we also have to all recognize that we have our biases we have our wants for certain things to be a certain way and it's important to be aware of that rather than deny that i know many people would like to say no i'm perfectly objective i'm not biased i just want to know the truth And we all have that, but we also have these biases that are there and it's important to understand them. And so uh, when people hear about a book looking at DNA and related to social equality, for some people, those things can seem at ends with each other. Because as she talks about in the book, uh, both sides of the political aisle might look at these types of things differently. At times, the right might think we look at genes and it tells us about differences in in people. But really, it's about effort and the meritocracy, people who work hard succeed. On the left, there is a huge scare about studies related to um, genetic differences, because there is a tendency to want to say everyone is the same. So we have to change the environment so that everyone can have equal outcomes. So it's almost the other Extreme And sometimes I could see that I had some of those sentiments or types of biases in my thinking or preferences to want to say people are the same, because that's a lot safer than saying there are these differences, because then when we acknowledge there are differences, that could result in differential treatment, but should it or how should it? And she does get into some of those issues as well in this book. So going back to that history, which relates to why people, especially on the left, might be wary of any subjects or um, studies that are looking at genetic differences between um, individuals, there is a horrible history of of judging people as superior, inferior, and then using genes or um, hereditary factors to say this is why some people are superior, inferior. And specifically, there's a whole field or concept of eugenics which has been used in different times of history to essentially say because some people are genetically inferior and others are genetically superior we should keep breeding those who are superior and even um sterilize certain individuals or groups who are deemed to be somehow inferior or do all sorts of other horrible things because these people are less human than others and usually uh, and those types of words have been used to describe, for example, blacks versus whites or certain people who have committed crimes or done certain acts. And specifically, race has been a huge uh, issue or has been a huge factor when we look at eugenics that has been used to determine who is quote-unquote superior and who is inferior so we can understand there is this horrific immoral and really ugly history when it comes to looking at genes to see differences between people especially when it comes to looking at differences between groups that makes some people think uh, as soon as you start talking about this topic you're already going down a bad road you shouldn't even be doing that because it's going to open up the floodgates of some negative things to happen but as uh, Catherine Page Hardin describes in the book and she talks about these issues many times throughout the book of even studying these things why we should study them why it's important why it seems some people are really against it um, she discusses that this is another source of information of understanding human differences or differences of um consequence or differences of in a way luck that's why the the title the genetic lottery that we need to understand that it's important to understand to actually it helps us understand injustice more if we understand the genetic differences and There is this tendency to think well if it's a genetic difference somehow it's natural or it has to be this way so if it's proven to be genetic whatever we're talking about that means that maybe there should be this hierarchy that exists but why should that be the case why can't it be that if we actually understand who are the winners of the genetic lottery we could make a difference in how we then treat individuals based on that so it doesn't have to lead to more social injustice it actually can lead to more social justice more equality which is the argument that she makes throughout the book so i myself have recognized that i have this tendency to want to think that people are the same now their value can be the same and that's what i think is what we're getting at rather than Uh, Assuming everyone is the same, it's important to recognize everyone's value, at least from my perspective, should be equal. That we don't put people above each other in a hierarchy of definitely superior or inferior. And even the ways people are treated should not be an extreme type of a difference, things that we do see in our current state of affairs in the world and including in the United States. So it was a book that even as I was reading it, I was very intently and intensely engaged with it, of trying to see what she was trying trying to say, understanding it, and as I mentioned, paying attention to my own feelings about these issues, because I, I could not say I was unbiased or didn't have a preference for for different things and how they would turn out. So I'll get into some of these more philosophical, moral, ethical, and even in some ways obviously political types of components of this book. Um, but also, I wanted to mention as I was talking about people can get very wary about comparing people of different groups when it comes to their genetic material or DNA, but. As of yet, there aren't these studies, the ones that she's describing, genome-wide association studies, where we could say, and she describes different types of studies, that's one of them, but we have not, or there have not been comparisons of different groups when it comes to these types of things or different races. And she gets into some of the genetic understanding of how complex this is and why the research has been the way it does. Some of it is the biases that exist in most research, but most of it has been within individuals of European descent, individuals who in the United States would identify as white. And even still, it's hard to make comparisons between groups. Oftentimes it could be even within a family, you might be able to make certain determinations or sometimes within certain groups, but it can't be that you can say, for example, blacks and whites differ in this way. Um, at least at this time, we, we cannot make those kinds of conclusions. So one of the fears that we have, um, at least the research is not there to to give that kind of an indication, and it's much more complicated than that. As she explains in the book, oftentimes we can't even make those comparisons because of the um, genetic material that we're talking about and the way that genes are passed down we can't always make those uh, comparisons or they might not be possible. So this idea that races can be compared or even that race is a genetically real thing is, is a very complex issue and she does get into that in the book as well. Um, but as she describes, there does seem to be research that suggests that certain genes, for example, and or certain, um, there are sets of genes that can be related to academic success, for example, which uh, is very important when it comes to overall life satisfaction and well-being and even physical health, mental health in most countries, most Western countries and somewhere like the United States, how far you can go academically. And so each of these factors or each of these genes often have a small impact individually. But overall, they can have an impact on, it's not that it causes academic success so we have to be aware of even the language or the way we talk about these things but can contribute or can we can say predispose you to having a genetic advantage when it comes to doing well in school even something like being a morning person, what's sometimes called to being uh, described as being a lark compared to being a owl, like a night owl. So larks are individuals who prefer waking up earlier. Uh, An owl, night owl would be someone who likes to sleep later and wake up later. And so because of how our school systems are set up or school days are set up, if you are a morning person, if you're way of awake and sleeping is that you prefer being awake in the early morning you're going to be at an advantage when it comes to doing well in school now here's what we can see that sometimes when we say oh a genetic advantage it definitely doesn't mean something superior but it could mean just because of the environment and the way that things are in our current society or the way it is at this time or has been that is an advantage that gives someone an advantage and so we could see how if we understood that, would it be fair to then reward someone because of their genes being a certain way compared to someone else? Could we say that it's their fault? And even this this concept of responsibility and blame and free will also is discussed in the book um, in trying to understand what this all means. But we can see how sometimes... What gives someone an advantage is something fairly arbitrary, and even if it wasn't, maybe we shouldn't have such a big difference, but why should someone be given some kind of an advantage because of that? So nonetheless, taking a, a z- zooming out again, there are these ways of looking at certain factors that might contribute to an individual having a genetic advantage, Do, doing something that's called or creating something called a polygenic Index, I think it's called, um, where we can now look at seeing, are there a set of factors that might contribute genetically to you being somehow having an advantage in a certain way or a certain cat uh, type of activity that we're talking about, and then we can. If we have this type of information within a group, we can see how strong your score is. That's the polygenic index that you would get based on all these genes, where would you score? And we can see that there is some correlation between um, how well you do academically and how much you have of these factors. And so, but she does explain also, as I mentioned, that it's not a causal thing. So we can't say you have to be better at school or you definitely be better at school. Kind of like, let's say brown eyes it's very much determined by your genes. There's not a lot of the environment that's going to affect that. But these factors, there's much more environmental input and interplay. Uh, It's not just a one-way type of a thing where environment affects genes. There's going to be an interplay between those two things. Um, But it still can have an impact or overall we can see that these things make a difference. And so to say some people are predisposed to do better academically, You can ask yourself, how does that make you feel? For some people, it doesn't feel very good or brings up these fears of how are we going to treat individuals differently. But I also think what I felt reading this book is that one of her points was we're trying to just, in understanding whatever it is, we're understanding the world, people, uh, different factors that affect how well people do in life in different ways, we want to have all the information. And it would be, in a way, ridiculous to think that genes don't play a role at all that genetic uh, information or this genetic knowledge or understanding plays no part in success in schools or mental health or different aspects of life it wouldn't make sense and it does seem that we're more comfortable saying for example yes genes are related to height or genes might be related to autism or related to being born deaf we can be very comfortable with those things. But when people talk about success in school and success financially, those types of things, people can feel a lot less okay with it because I think it brings up these tendencies that what if it's used or it initially just automatically feels like it's going to be a way of distinguishing people as being superior and inferior and people rightfully so are not okay with that but because of that they won't even start the conversation and as she talks about in the book what happens is when people on the left are not willing to even open these conversations will say the research is pointless we shouldn't even be doing this type of research it's a wrong place to begin what happens is actually those who have bad intentions who are very racist who want to use this information in negative ways they will actually get the information and twist it and put it in a way that actually puts forward their arguments more strongly. So actually by ignoring it, we're allowing it to be used as a weapon in the wrong direction. So um, what I'd like to do after the break is continue the discussion because I gave more of some of the book, but some backgrounds, but some of the things that's brought up in this book, which uh, is still something I have to continue thinking about but i do highly recommend it the genetic lottery by katherine page harden we'll be right back welcome back continuing the discussion on the book the genetic genetic lottery why dna matters for social equality by katherine page harden and you know one theme that also comes up for me. I mean, came up throughout the book, but when we're thinking about looking at this type of, of research or looking at things in general is what type of a world would you like to create? An egalitarian one or one that's more egalitarian, meaning more equal distribution of resources and people being taken care of or more inegalitarian, meaning that there's more hierarchy and things are spread out more uh, and some people have not very much and some people might have much more and so if you approach things with a egalitarian mindset um, which many on the left would have or do have then as she puts it it's important for you to understand genetics because the genetic uh, effects or inputs that are being made on outcomes um, the more we understand them the more we actually can create interventions and things that will help people more so not knowing it doesn't help us at all knowing it can help us um, actually make a better impact make things more fair and she also shares some of the philosophy uh, or some quotes from john rawls which i'll share i think at the end of the segment but to give you an idea of how when we learn about okay there's a genetic reason why let's say some children do better in school and this can make us a little bit nervous but we can see how um, unfounded it might be to really make the genetic connect- connection in a certain way um, she shares from uh, sociologist sandy jenks in 1972 came up with this type of a thought experiment to make us recognize you know what it might look like when we say genes lead to a a contribution or an, uh, let's say an advantage in academic success or disadvantage so uh, this is from sandy jenks in the book uh, the genetic lottery if for example a nation refuses to send children with red hair to school the genes that cause red hair can be said to lower reading scores attributing redheads illiteracy to their genes would probably strike most readers as absurd under these circumstances yet that is precisely what traditional methods of estimating heritability do so we can see this example i think it does when i read it i was like oh that's very good example of showing how uh it could be there's a genetic reason or a genetic explanation for a certain characteristic or outcome but because of the environment because of laws because of what could be let's say something like systematic racism or in this case hair colorism Um, we could then see that it's not because of those genes creating some outcome but the environment that is that is creating that. And that's what we, we do see in the United States with a lot of these issues, that it is a lot of the, the system that is creating these outcomes, uh, not necessarily the genes. But I think we also don't know that so well because of the, the studies haven't been done yet or enough hasn't been done yet to understand those things. But we can't shy away from that. We need to continue to do the research and embrace it uh, head on. Um, she also says, you know, some people have a hard time holding many of the arguments together it becomes very black and white so here she says both things can be true at the same time genetics can be causes of stratification in society and measures to address systematic social forces can be effective at enacting social change so there can be genetic influences on things but also it doesn't mean we can't do things to make a more just society or to equalize things or to uh, have interventions to help individuals let's say or to um, change the environment to make things more fair so just by acknowledging that genetics can play a role doesn't mean that's the end although that's what sometimes people think if it's genetic then it somehow absolves society of having to do something about it or that that makes it somehow fair which i think this points back to these notions of inferior and superior that we have had throughout history still have and can still i think even unknowingly fall into because let's say someone has an advantage that makes them more likely to do well academically they're just born into that that's this is you know usually people are very comfortable saying uh, it's not fair to treat people differently based on the family they were born into, right? So if one child was born into extreme poverty and one was born into wealth, and then the one who was in the wealthy environment gets all these types of advantages from being in that wealthy family, well, most people would agree. It's not fair to say this: the wealthy child has done better or deserves more or has more merit Uh, uh, looking at this phrase of the meritocracy, it would be unfair, most people would say, to say that person has done more, that child has done more, and that poor child who was born into the poor family uh, deserves if they were not able to have such a good outcome. Most people would say, no, that's not true. That's an accident of birth. But this phrase, the genetic lottery, is capturing that same concept that, well, if you are born with different genes that can have an impact... Should that be used against you or used in your favor, whichever way you, uh, if you've either won or lost, so to speak, in the genetic lottery or how well you've won in it, should that have an impact uh, or should you be rewarded for that? And I think it would make sense that that shouldn't be the case, that if you were born with certain genetic advantages, that's good and that might have a certain impact in how you experience things and depending on the society you live in might confer some advantages, but how much? What should be that differential? And I think, unfortunately, we still live in a world where the advantages are far too extreme, uh, and should there be any advantage at all, that's something that we, we should be thinking about and looking at. So this book did make me have to ask myself some interesting questions or some pretty difficult questions of trying to answer what, what should it look like, what is fair, Um, But I do think she made her arguments quite well in the book in trying to understand, well, if this is the way um, that, that things are, some people are just genetically more lucky, so to speak, how should we then respond to that? And the thing is, again, it's not saying comparing different races because I think that's where people's minds go, but even within the same family. So there's studies looking at, you know, because of how things work with sexual reproduction, you don't get all of your parents' genes. Or even, you know, we say you get 50% of your genes, or you share 50% of your genes with, let's say, your siblings. But that's actually not an exact number. She shared that her and her brother, were, I think about 48%, they shared their genetic material. Because there's all sorts of ways that you can inherit uh, different parts of the of your parents genome that they could be the same or they could be different in a different range and I think the range was anywhere from like 30 to 60 percent something like that that siblings could be uh, genetically related and this is all accidents of of birth and reproduction and the way that things go the sperm and the egg that come together Uh, and then also of course mutations and things can happen as well to further create uh, differences but even within the same family there could be a genetic lottery where one child might have way more advantages to be successful academically than the other one, let's say. She uses that example a lot because I think her research and there's been other research on it, but there's research showing that. So would it be fair for that child to be rewarded so much more? Would it be fair even for those parents to be so much more proud or give so much more attention to that child? who Maybe it was just born with a genetic advantage. It wasn't really the fault of the other child. And it wouldn't be fair to blame or to punish or to not give certain resources or uh, favors for that younger child or other child. It, It would make sense to treat them equally, we would think. What does that mean? So that's why I think this theme of the book is important, that if we ignore this, we're actually ignoring a potential source of inequality or maybe exacerbating and blaming people who are in certain positions not recognizing there really is um, a genetic lottery so to speak because of the potential combinations of of genes that we can have even when it comes to what you inherit from your parents that is worth um, keeping in mind so as I mentioned she quotes uh, the uh, philosopher John Rawls who he had a A type of thought experiment or imagine something called the veil of ignorance and so in the veil of ignorance I'm actually I'll read this paragraph that's from John Rawls that's in the book no one knows his place in society his class position or social status nor does he know his fortune in the distribution of natural assets and abilities his intelligence and strength and the like nor again does anyone know his conception of the good the particulars of his rational plan of life or even the special features of his psychology such as his aversion to risk or liability to optimism or pessimism so if we had this veil of ignorance that you don't know what you were going to be like genetically what type of uh, you know, family, you were going to be born into your psychological strengths and weaknesses and all these types of things. If you really didn't know how you would be and where your position would be in society, what type of a society would you design? Or how would you want things to be for a fair and just type of a society? And most people, if they really didn't know, would probably not think, well, some people should be incredibly wealthy and have so much and many more should actually be suffering and barely making it or not having enough resources to survive. I don't think most people would. I think a lot of people in a self-serving way would think, well, even if I was born with those disadvantages, I would find a way out, or I would definitely be successful, but I think that is not really understanding the reality of what the world is like. And, and would we want to create a world that was unjust with such extremes? I don't think so, and so I really like this um, thought experiment by John Rawls of trying to really think of what should the world look like what should it be like and this notion of um, being different is one thing but being superior and inferior is the issue that we have and that's unfortunately what we've done throughout society is create these um, hierarchies or especially in western society created these hierarchies of people being better than worse than even before there's things like royalty and nobility and being born into a certain status that made you superior to others and some people were born being inferior but this really does seem to be uh, the way we just conceptualize things, not really things, not based on something real. And I think that's uh, a point to me that's important when we try to look at any kind of research like this, that we might notice differences, and we shouldn't be afraid of differences. They obviously exist, and even we celebrate them. We celebrate things like diversity. So if we're celebrating diversity, we can't on the other token then say, well, everyone's the same. That wouldn't make sense. But do people have different value? Should we value them differently? That's where it's really matters so people are different can be different and we enjoy that celebrate that even need that as a society for people to have different strengths and different capacities skills gifts that they can share with the world but we shouldn't value people differently the hierarchy of superiority and inferiority that's the problem not the differences um and you know when we look at something like luck and privilege i know privilege has this certain connotation now That some people don't like but really some people were born lucky and also the world is a lot of luck it's not to say we don't have um, an impact on it or that you don't make choices or there's no free will there definitely is but i think to ignore luck in the variety of factors from the family you're born into to life circumstances and even genetically as this book describes uh, is something that we just like to tell ourselves it was because of us and something we did rather than all the other factors. And I like this quote that she has in here from um, E.B. White, which is, uh, luck is not something you can mention in the presence of self-made men. Luck is not something you can mention in the presence of self-made men because, of course, they want to say that whatever success they have was purely due to themselves. And this is not to reduce the efforts that people make to, whether it's working on themselves um, working on businesses, whatever it is that they work on. It's not to say that doesn't matter, but to not recognize the role of luck, I think is really faulty. And so I'll conclude by one of uh, reading one of the last paragraphs in the book, um, that I, I really like. This is the second last paragraph from the book that does, I think, uh, encapsulate some of her main themes and arguments throughout the book. So here it is. Some people happen to inherent Let me start again. Some people happen to inherit combinations of genetic variants that in combination with environments provided by parents and teachers and social institutions cause them to be more likely to develop a suite of skills and behaviors that are currently valued in the formal education systems of Western capitalist societies. They are not better people. They are not more inherently meritorious. They are, given the ways our society is currently structured, the least vulnerable. And if you are reading this book, you are probably one of them. And so, it's people have different genetic variations and combinations, and it's the combination of those genes with the environment and what what the environment values. You know, I'm using as my, I'm looking at my bookmark here, a, a Lakers ticket from a few years ago, and LeBron James is here and in, in the, on the ticket and of course he has some genetic advantages, he's worked incredibly hard but in our society today it could be something that can make you incredibly successful and wealthy and powerful but it doesn't have to be that way, we can imagine another world where that wouldn't be the case, and so we can see that there's these combinations of genes and society and environments that have an impact. But the more we don't know about the genetic impact, the less we can really understand about how to create a more fair society. And so um, to me, that was interesting to think about it in that way. And it's still something I'll have to continue to process what I learned from this book and continue to, to learn from it. Um, but I think it's an important one to, for everyone to read, to understand what genes can and can't tell us and also to understand how this can help us better understand what it means to make uh, or bring about social equality as the subtitle explains. So again, that was The Genetic Lottery by Catherine Page Hardin. Let's go to our last commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So today I was talking about the book, The Genetic Lottery, Why DNA Matters for Social Equality by Catherine Page Hardin. And so in life, we have basically come into this life with a lot of different lotteries that we've won, lost or to different degrees, uh, won or lost. And as I mentioned, there's this phrase that comes up where you've probably heard privilege and like a lot of things that comes up, that's new. Uh, It often gets misused or even abused at times. So people will say, check your privilege. And oftentimes it's used as a way of almost ending a conversation. So you can make a point, but if someone doesn't know what to say back or they want to really end it and basically say your point doesn't even matter or you can't even have an opinion on the matter, they might say, check your privilege, meaning that because you come from a privileged background or you're privileged when it comes to this topic or conversation, you really can't have an input or you have to de- defer to others and things of that sort, which I think is not really a good um, use of the word or truly really used as just a, a, basically a tool to end a conversation or win, try to win an argument. And I think that's problematic. But I do think in the context of reading a book like this and just thinking about life in general, that it's important to recognize that we have well or you know looking at yourself what types of ways maybe you have been lucky or unlucky as well but have been lucky and so I think this brings up themes of this same uh, concept of superiority or inferiority so in some ways we either want to say genetically we have been we superior in some way And so that's happened throughout history and still happens, that we're just better than because of our blood. I hear this a lot still. Our blood is different, so that makes us better than these other people or this other group. um, Or our family line is something significant, so we're better than them. So we sometimes look for these reasons, and I think that's why there is this fear and anxiety about genetic research, that it's going to be um, used by some people to prove their superiority, which cannot be done, Um, but we are at times looking for a way or to look for something that makes us superior. I'm better than others. I think there is this need to try to prove that in one way or the other. Or we try to say, if I was successful or I've done well, it was all from my own hard work and um, determination, and I wasn't lucky I faced setbacks. So um, if I'm successful, it's just me, as that quote I read from E.B. White. Um, You can't have a conversation about luck in a room full of self-made men because they won't see that luck was at all part of them being successful. But I think it's important to be realistic about this. And when we say someone has a privilege in some way or has some luck, it doesn't mean they have no hardship. Every biological life experiences hardship and then experiences death at its end. So every life has pains and hardships and discomforts that come up and big things you've experienced. So if someone even recognizes or says you have um some type of a privilege first of all i also think when you tell people you are this or you had that it usually doesn't go well but that's why i'm saying for us each to reflect on it ourselves you know when you think about that well was i privileged you think no no but this bad thing happened to me or i had this challenge and both of those things can be true you can be privileged let's say to be born into a certain family or to be born at a certain time or a certain part of the country or the world or different things that gave you an advantage but you also experience hardships. I actually could be certain that it's going to be both, that you have some advantages, but you also experienced hardships. It's not going to be one or the other. So it's not that either you experience pure hardship or pure privilege, that doesn't exist for anyone. But it can be important to keep those things in mind. Um, You know, sometimes I imagine when you go to a Graduation. Let's say high school graduation, college graduation, graduate school graduation. Everyone is getting the same degree, and so we're celebrating the same thing. Okay, everyone got their, um, you know, bachelor's degree, but not everyone has had the same journey and has had the same hardships. And usually, I would think more of the um, things like financial. Resources and different discrimination that people could experience. So some people have to work jobs, multiple jobs while they're in school and deal with other family issues and challenges just trying to get themselves to school, and someone else might not and also have access to tutors and things, and that's at the other extreme. Of course, now reading this book, I can also consider there's a genetic lottery that some students just, it is going to be easier for them to, to get through it or have those um Barriers of doing well in school be a little bit easier for them than others. And, you know, there's other things involved as well. But we can see when we're looking at that graduation stage, it's many, they've all got to the same finish line, but the path hasn't been as simple or as as easy for um, one person over the other. And so there are advantages that are there and again even it's not just the financial it could just be school could be easier slightly let's say for one person or the other so i think it's good to look at that and if i think of my own educational journey and it actually did have some ups and downs in it as well and some challenges that i faced maybe i created them myself maybe there was predispositions to certain things whatever you want to call it but i definitely know i had some advantages that were there that did make it easier for me to succeed. And so when I think of that, I think, well, but I also worked hard. I can think of that, and I did, and I had struggles, and it was hard, and it wasn't that it was easy, but I can't deny that there were some things that made it easier for me or that could have been more challenging had they been different. And that's just the reality. And both things can be true, that you've been given some type of a, You know, whatever you want to call it, luck. And then throughout life, there's other aspects of luck too. And with it, you hopefully will make the best of it that you can. But that's the reality, is the reality. And I think we have to be realistic with that and not be afraid to acknowledge that. And it doesn't take away from who you are either way, whether you were given bad luck or good luck. But I think in a search of being meaningful, being, even if we have to be superior at times, we try to be superior, we want to find a reason to say that we were better than others, either in how we were born or because we've worked so hard and worked so well that we've gotten there. When really there's going to be a combination of things that gets us to where we are that we need to keep in mind. So I reflected on that as well while reading this book of looking at myself and my life and that I am fortunate in a lot of ways. um, And that because of that, does that mean I should get certain advantages? Probably not. And so it goes back to that concept of John Rawls that Uh, if we had a veil of ignorance what would be fair and we always are going to have biases that when you have things that feel good you don't want to lose them and we've seen this throughout society that people with power people with advantages want to always believe there's some reason um, why it is that way Um, and in and in the book uh capital and ideology by thomas piketty I was very uh, impacted by his thesis that throughout history and, and currently in the present time there have been, um, there's always been inequality and there's always been reasons that have been made to justify that inequality, whether it was before As I mentioned, like nobility or royalty, well, these people are just born different or this person comes from God or something like that that makes them better. And the rest are just the peasants and they should just be lucky that they get to serve, you know, live in this society Um, or, you know, more recently, the meritocracy that it's just based on hard work. And that so if people have way more money and all this stuff, that's how it's supposed to be, too. This is somehow justifiable to have these extremes. But these are just stories we tell ourselves that it's all this way, that it's a meritocracy and that nothing else other than how hard you work determines if you're successful, let's say, in the United States. If you really think that that's the case, I, I think uh, it's really like believing a fairy tale, that the only thing that matters in being successful in the United States is how hard you work how hard you work makes an impact so yes there is something you can do and this is one of those things where we always look at what is in my control and what isn't the genetic lottery and things about society Of course, you can try to bring about social change, but in the bigger picture, you can't change a lot of that. That's out of your control. What is in your control, that's what you want to try to do to the best of your ability. So that you should do, but then to look at the results and say they are somehow the only way it could have been or they're completely just or fair, I think that's ridiculous and that's not something that I could agree with, even in looking at at my own life. And so reading this book actually made me think even more strongly strongly about how we should strive towards an egalitarian society, uh, which was, I don't want to say surprising, but I wasn't sure what I would think reading this book because it was going to bring up genetics and genetic differences and how there's a impact in how it might lead to success in certain factors. I didn't know would that contribute more to the sense that It's right for these things to be that way, that there should be these differences and people should be given certain successes and and, and certain resources and certain advantages based on these things. Uh, But actually it was the opposite. It was making me realize even more that we need to put more effort into creating a more just society, which means actually understanding the different ways that different genes interact with the current world and structures that we have and environments that we have, and how to make them more fair. We have to understand that and strive even more towards um, making things fair. That if a child, for example, is born with certain disadvantages educationally uh, or in their educational attainment, should they have to live a life of poverty or a life that's unhealthy or less healthy? I think that doesn't make sense. The child was just born into that. Uh, Going back to this concept of it's not just about the family you were born into as far as, let's say, wealth or poverty or educational attainment, socioeconomic status, as we hear a lot of times. There's a genetic type of component to it as well which I think does bring up always a sensitive issue, but I hope it isn't one that we shy away from. It is one that we embrace and go into because I think it is gonna be necessary to create a more just society. Uh, And as she talks about in the book, if we don't take it seriously, some people will, and they'll use it for bad reasons to try to justify inequalities, justify um, explanations of superiority and inferiority that will further contribute to injustice and things like racism. And lastly, to conclude this concept of checking your privilege, yes, I know it sounds very cliche and makes people cringe even when you hear it because of the ways that it's been used, but I think it's important in recognizing ourselves and being uh, real with ourselves and having some genuine humility to recognize advantages that you've had that other people have not had and that you are lucky for certain things and probably unlucky for others as well but to recognize the sum total of those things that maybe you've been luckier than others and if that's the case is it fair for you to have those advantages or should you strive towards making a more just world i hope you will strive towards making a more just world a more egalitarian world Where everyone can be taken care of and have their basic needs and liberties and freedoms met doesn't mean everyone is the same. We still have differences, but we don't need to have hierarchies. You can have differences without some kind of hierarchy that implies inferiority and superiority and also implies how you get to live a life of either comfort or discomfort. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. As always, a big thank you to Amir here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fire Dalaqui. Have a wonderful night.